What if Dolly Parton wrote us a theme song? Would it sound like this? Would it sound like this? Peace, love, and all that good shit. What if Dolly Parton wrote us a theme song? Would it sound like this? Would it sound like this? Hippie Witch, season six. That was a good one. Hello, 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 hello. Happy fall, y'all. Thanks for joining me for episode 530 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the groovy creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit. And you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com, where you will also find the show notes for this episode, including links to MJ Cullinane. Don't you just love that? MJ Cullinane! I feel like I have to say it like that. MJ Cullinane is a tarot reader and artist the kick-ass creatrix of many tarot decks and at least one, maybe more, oracle deck. And her original claim to fame was the Crow Tarot. Her current deck is called Roar, and she's going to tell us all about that. But what I see this interview that you're about to listen to, what I see it mostly being is a story. This is a story that starts out with a single mom who had eaten one too many top ramen dinners, I have been there, and feared that she was on the brink of homelessness, which is a fear I know a lot of people have when money gets tight or they find themselves unemployed during a global pandemic. So this is a story about someone who is in a situation like that and then allowed herself to be guided towards success by a murder of crows. Raise your hand if you love crows or ravens like I do. Hello. She allowed herself to be guided toward success by these crows and a tarot deck, and then another tarot deck, and another, and another. And I say all that to hopefully tempt you into listening to this whole thing because it really is such a magical story the way her journey has unfolded so far and I find that inspiring. She also has some exciting ideas about anger as an empowering emotion and a hot take. (laughs) She's got a hot take on what you really should do when life hands you lemons and You are in no mood to be making some lemonade, damn it. (laughs) I know for sure that anger can be super shady and dangerous, especially if it's chronic, but there are two kinds of anger that I personally have found to be super helpful in terms of creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. And for those of you who don't know, the reason I say it like that is that's kind of the theme here. I say it all the time. I feel a little dorky when I say it, but I also love to say it (laughs) because I really, really mean it. This is a podcast about creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. And there really are two kinds of anger that are so useful to that end. And one would be 
righteous rage. Like when the cause is righteous and the rage has real purpose. But secondly, another kind of anger that can be really helpful is fed upness. I'm just going to call it fed upness. And it might not be righteous, but it gets shit done. It's that I will no longer settle and I'm so fed up with this crap kind of anger that has you deleting those time-sucking apps from your phone or getting up off the couch to exercise or telling your kids that they can and will do their own damn dishes from now on, thank you very much. I think it's a really important energy for those of us who were raised to be pleasing in particular. Like we, we, I'm including myself in this, we were raised to be so pleasing that we didn't even know what we wanted for ourselves anymore until we got pissed off enough to figure it out and make some big changes happen. And I have found this happens to me in stages. I'll get pissed I will realize I'm in a trap usually of my own making and that anger will help me like boom bust out of that trap and then I feel amazing and a long time can go by before I realize I'm in another trap oh my gosh <laughs> it kind of is like Russian dolls like I'm busting through one and I'm like freedom and I'm moving along and then all of a sudden I kind of hit another wall or another trap or cage and it's often that kind of fed upness, usually with my own shenanigans, that gets me busting through to the next layer and the next and the next and the next. And I say that because I just busted through another layer. I was really having a lot of anger in August and September, just like rattle the cages kind of anger. And it was that fed upness kind of anger, like, no, this is not working for me anymore. <laughs> and I recorded this interview with MJ right before that happened. So I kind of had it in the back of my mind, this conversation, and it ended up serving me in a really interesting way. So my hope is that it might do that for you too, moving forward. And without any further ado, let's just roll right into it. Okay, okay, here she is. MJ Cullinane. Hi, MJ. Welcome to Hippie Witch. Hi. Wait, wait, wait. Are we recording right now? We are recording. Like, is, is, is it Johanna or? Joanna. Joanna. Okay, sorry. Joanna. Oh, my, no, I'm leaving Joanna. that in. I'm leaving that in and, I'm, and I want people to know why. It's because I do not know you at all. We've never met before. A third never. party set this up for us. And I yes. did not know what to expect. And you were like instant friend, like so oh fun God. to talk to you right away. We accidentally started chatting and couldn't stop. <laughs> I know. It's like, I feel like you're literally here. Like we're just moments away. It's so reach funny. out. Yeah. 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 Oh. So this is fun. You know, what really got my attention first was the crow tarot. Yes. And I know you have done a number of tarot decks. Do you also do Oracle decks or are they all tarot? I do. Nope. I did an Urban Crow Oracle, which 
is my follow-up crow deck to the crow tarot and i did a roar deck which was um a deck based on women who have made their mark through history who we may not have learned about in school for the most part many of them we i know at least my my public school education did not teach me about more than half the women in that deck mm. so yeah you did a guardians of the night deck or guardian, guardian of the night guardian right yep that's night. a tarot deck and i have a grimalkin which is currently unavailable i need to do another printing of that and the wise dog which us games they printed that one and it's out and i'm currently working on for haksa which in swedish that means to enchant or to bedevil to cast a spell upon so i'm working on this deck which is all fairies and mermaids and dragons and whatnots oh people are gonna so. hate that i know that i'm like i'm making this one solely for me so, <laughs> so the, the word me. the deck that starts with a g what was that word guardian of the night no it was like germ oh germalkin it means gray cat germalkin oh i've never heard germalkin germalkin yeah what Grimalkin. is that is that german old english wow how does old that english. go how does that go in a deck we follow this gray cat throughout it's a cat it's just a cat themed deck okay and so i named it grimalkin just because of like the gray cat and because I like the way it sounds half the yeah. time when I do something I'm like oh I'm like I like the way that sounds you know <laughs> yeah it's yeah Grimalkin is one of those weird ones where um as soon as you say cat tarot they're like oh I know what that is oh, you know yeah. oh yeah <laughs> so but yeah that one um it had a second printing and now it's it will have a third printing I'm just I have to reformat all the cards. It's it's a long, it's a long, really boring story. So we won't talk about that. <laughs> well, I'm also <laughs> just interested. I'm interested in the wise dog because the first thing that comes to me when I think about that is like, oh my gosh, what if we went through the fool's journey with the dog? You know, how the dog is uh -huh. in the like, what if we followed him? Like, what is this and, death like? Oh my instead of the fool you're like the, the dog yeah, yeah i know oh my god that would be actually a lot of fun i i now i wish i met you like four or three years ago when i was making that <laughs> that one came about after my crow tarot and it was meant to be a deck more focused on healing energy like you know when you have a really crappy day and you have a dog or some people have a cat. I have a dog. This is why this is a dog deck. But anyway, you have a really crappy day and you just get on the couch and all you can think about is like how bad everything went and your dog just comes up and they literally just like sit in your lap and they nuzzle you. And it's like, all of a sudden, all of that stuff that you walked in the door with just sort of melts away. And I thought that's really magic, right? That's that's the power of a dog, right? And they're so smart and they so live in the moment and they can tell who's, you know, who to trust, who not to trust. It's really, it's interesting. Like they are the ultimate energy readers, you know? So I wanted to make a, a deck that really showcased like, you know, more than that they can just fetch a ball or, you know, they yeah. can demand food you know, when you're sitting at the dinner table that they really are this incredible creature. It's a perfect, Not it's a perfect pairing with an intuitive art like Tarot. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. They, they really do. They live in the moment. They don't let, you know, they don't let things hold them back. 
Like they're just adventurous creatures. At least the dogs I've met. I'm sure there are some really scaredy cat dogs out there who are like, oh, don't take me on a hike. I just want to stay in the car, you know? But I have not met that dog. I, every dog I've, I've had, you know, from my dog that was all of five pounds, Charlie, to Layla, who is this little pity mix, they literally just like, let me out of the car. Let's go explore, you know? So. Mm. Sometimes they do things that are foolish, like chase after raccoons or, you know, yeah. my five pound dog used to go up to much bigger dogs at the dog park and kind of get them to play. And he would, I don't know, antagonize them sometimes. So <laughs> not, not always the brightest of dogs. <laughs> Courageous, nonetheless. Courageous. Courageous, but not so smart. <laughs> Well, the thing about the crows, I'm a raven person. That's because we have ravens mm -hmm. here. But in yeah. studying ravens and learning about ravens, usually they are just lumped in together with all mm -hmm. corvids. And this is how I know a little bit about crows as well. They're so damn smart. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and I did that too. So with the crow tarot and even with the urban crow oracle, it's more like corvids, you know, it, they're lumped in because aside from like, really, I mean, like the, the sound, they do sound different and they do look slightly different. They do sort of just kind of get lumped in together, but they are crazy smart and they'll remember you and they'll remember if you're nice and they'll remember, they'll remember yes. you if you're not. So and nice. they will reward and punish you. That is fascinating yeah. to me. They will drop, th is, they will drop things on your head. If they don't like you, they will bring you treats. If they do, it's so cool. And they protect their young and they will dive bomb you. You know, if you get a little too close to mm. a baby or a fledgling and they're just, they're just beautiful creatures to watch and they're so expressive like you would think like oh this this black bird couldn't have that many expressions but it really does like if just like how they tilt their head at you like they'll open up their mouths sometimes you know just like their beaks rather than mouths, their beaks um it's like they have this way of being and you can even tell when they when they're talking or they're calling their cause they have a wide range of sounds that they make depending on what they want to, uh, what they want to say, you know, or communicate. And it's just, I love that about them. They're the they only have, bird I've ever met like that. I came to love them from living with them. We have big mm -hmm. eucalyptus trees here that they love. Oh. So they live up yeah. there and they do have so many different sounds. My favorite is this kind of clucking, clicking thing that they do, mm -hmm. and, but they it's talk to each time. other. They talked to people too. One came and was mm -hmm. like alerting the neighborhood that his buddy was down and had a broken wing and would not leave his friend or her, whatever. Wouldn't leave the friend laying there. And all the neighbors came out. We're all like fretting over this bird. And we did end up getting mm -hmm. it, getting it to a rescue. But it was because of the one that was upset that was like, hey, help, help. Right. Oh my God. That is such a touching story. Oh my God that's just something that where I feel like where nature comes together, like even though we live in a city, right, mm -hmm. you still have that interaction with nature that I find just, I don't know, it connects us to the higher, the higherness of this world, the higher power. You said something somewhere about that, that growing up near Boston and living in Seattle now, that mm -hmm. you're inspired by nature, but also the city, that the two are not yeah 
that they're not mutually exclusive. How does that show up in your art? Oh, all the time. I mean, one, my neighbors must think I'm a cuckoo because I walk down the street and I photograph everything like any or anything that just kind of catches my eye. It might be like how the moss is sitting on a tree or how there's a feather on the sidewalk or the fire hydrant might have a, a somebody might have painted it a, like a cool color. And I always find interesting things when I'm out walking that I take and then bring back to my artwork. So if it's like a flower, a lot of the flowers that you see in my decks are flowers that I've come across in my neighborhood. Water, if I'm out um, at the beach, you know, Seattle is surrounded by water. I, I just incorporate that, that image and that feeling that I got while looking at whatever it is that I was looking at, you know. Um, I think when you live in a city, you think like, well, it's all just concrete and sidewalks and whatnot, but there's so many opportunities to see nature. We just, sometimes we choose not to see it, you know, because we're so busy, like getting from point A to point B, you know, or um, going to work, shuffling the kid to the school, getting groceries, and all you, you focus on is the road and, and cement. <laughs> but yeah. if you look, you look outside that, you'll find it's like there are neighbors who have beautiful gardens and there's nature everywhere. There's bird, there are birds and bugs all living here. <laughs> yep. Weeds pushing you know? up through the cracks are always my favorite because I can relate. <laughs> I can relate. I know, them. right? <laughs> and also we get through. We are nature. One of the things I love mm -hmm. about city life is there's art everywhere. Uh, some, of oh, the build, yeah. some of the buildings are just cheap, crappy cement rectangles, mm -hmm. but also there's a lot of architectural interest and murals. Even the graffiti can be pretty amazing sometimes. And music, oh, yeah. music, like that is nature. It's, you know, it's us. We're the ones making, yeah, we're the one, yeah, we're part of the nature. If, if, some, if some alien planet was looking down, looking at us like we do, the bugs and the birds and whatever they'd be like wow look what these humans are creating <laughs> you know yeah. i love that too there are murals where i love like i know not all graffiti like we we definitely don't want the tagging you yes. know what i mean but the the artists that go out it's amazing the stuff that they can create and when everything shut down because of covid and all the stores started boarding up their windows it was just an explosion of art here in seattle it was wonderful to see every store that was boarded up was just covered with murals and it was just and messages and, and just very it was all very heartfelt and inspiring yes. you know and I mean you can find I mean you really can find inspiration anywhere and I sometimes feel it's easier for me to find it in the city than when I do go out like I go out to nature a lot like we're up um, in the San Juan Islands or we're just out you know, at like the parks, like here in Seattle. And as wonderful as that is for my psyche, it helps me kind of decompress my overactive brain. When I'm looking for inspiration to create art, it really does, it, my art is drawn through the city. It's, it's, come, it's coming in from that direction more so than I would say like when I'm out hiking a trail. Mm. Hiking the trail is where I cleanse out all the junk. You know, that's where I do my decluttering. Yeah. <laughs> You know, oh, like, you know, do I really I, need this slot? Nope. <laughs> this is making sense to me. One, I can see it in your art, what you're talking about. 
and two, probably mm -hmm. why I like it. I relate to it. I love the saturation of color you use. And I love mm -hmm. you do digital collage, which I'd love to hear you talk about. But I like the way you layer images and mm -hmm. it's a lot going on without creating chaos. There's something very flowy and organic about it that meets that kind of loud saturation of color. It just speaks to my soul. Oh, I'm like, oh, that, well, that just warms my soul. Yeah, I think, I think editing is huge, right? And when you have all these ideas like running through your head, you just want to like throw everything onto the screen and knowing what to take off the screen, I think is just as important as knowing what to put on the screen. So I do layers. I have so many layers and sometimes I'll throw stuff in there and then it's like, oh yeah, I really don't like the way that looks or the color doesn't work right. And I'm always thinking about composition because that's my artist, right? It's like my inner artist is always thinking about the composition. Yeah. And so I do think about like what colors, how they play off each other. What do they mean? If somebody's using this deck, right? And they see a card that's like bright reds and blacks, like, like the wrath card, right? I want you to feel wrath. I don't want you to look at it and go like, oh, that's a pretty picture. I want you to be like, oh, <laughs> like, what's going on here? You know, these crows are angry. And so color plays a huge role in that. And then digital collage, the way I use digital collage is I think a little bit differently than I, that's the only way I can describe it. I, if I could say digital mixed media, but that doesn't even work either. So what it is, is I combine my drawing, my painting with imagery, and then I have layers. So it's like I put on the layers It's not like there's ever any piece where it's like cut and paste like an umbrella. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like and like and slapped on there. It's never that. I literally take that umbrella, I manipulate it, I might paint on it or change it in some way, and then add that to the layer. So I guess it's like it is digital collage, but there's a lot of painting that goes in that I'm doing. And I use this, I have a 24-inch Wacom tablet. So it's a pretty nice size tablet that I have. And then I just I use a pen and I draw just like I would draw with a marker on a piece of paper or a paintbrush on a canvas. It literally mimics the feel. It's like a picking up the paint and blending it. It's really quite genius. It's like wow. technology has made it so that you can work and create art anywhere without a mess, <laughs> without, without breathing in fumes which is nice, you know, especially, you know, if you're in a, I'm in a basement uh, office. So breathing in fumes is something I don't want to do, but it also just opens up the door to so many different possibilities. So I do draw, I do paint, but then I do add other like photo elements, like the flowers, like the, when I take pictures of flowers or I take picture of a feather or things like that. So I do add those to it, but they're still manipulated. It's not like it's just cut and paste. I guess yeah, that's one I think, I think the art is the composite of all those things. It is, I used the word organic really deliberately because it looks like its own thing. It does not look like a cut and paste job. It actually looks like this sprung up from your imagination whole. I know it's a process to get there, but that's no, the experience no, you're right. of it. Yeah, it, that's what I want. I want people to see like this image that I have in my head. And sometimes the only way to get that out is to by by pulling different elements together, you know, like, and it doesn't really come out. 
each card, when I make a card, it's like a story. So it starts, it has a beginning. It has this idea of like, I have a basic idea for what the story is. Like, you know, like right now I'm working on the nine of cups for for Hoxa. And I have a basic idea of where this story is gonna go, but I don't really know the whole thing. So I start with the mermaid, right? And I'm kind of getting to know her, this image of her and I'm drawing and then things will kind of fill in as it goes, as the story moves on. And I'm on this journey too. Like I'm, I, I'm telling the story, but I'm also hearing it at the same time. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So it does happen really organically. Is so, this why you've yeah. been able to put out so many decks because you're in the process and you're more focused on the process than the product. How have you gotten here in terms oh, of I, like creating all of, cause it's a big undertaking to do one deck, much less, what do you have five decks out right now? Oh yeah, five and yeah, I have the sixth one is for Hoxa. So yeah, wow. it is, it's 78 cards and it is, but it's like, I derive so much joy and happiness and fulfillment from making this art. I love telling these stories. I love coming up with the, the illustrations for each card. And especially for, for Hoxa, each card has a story. So I'm crafting a story too. It's not just like, oh, the meaning of the nine of cups when you get the guidebook, you know, like the basic right away Smith meeting. There's also the story. And for me, I feel like I learn a lot more when I'm doing, but also through storytelling. And I think we've done that for, for centuries, long before, there was paper, people would pass down these stories to teach. And that's what I want to do with this deck is to kind of have a story for each card that when the person reads the story, they really understand that energy so that when it comes back around again, when they're doing a reading, it's like, oh, I get this. I understand what this is all about. And then I can relate that to, you know, to my life, you know? Just like we do in the movies, when we're watching a movie, we find a character that we find relatable and we're like, oh, what did they do there? You know, yes. how can I learn from their, from their mistakes, you know? Yes. I'm going to edit this out, but there's a noise that I cannot identify. I don't know what it is. It, it, the best I could offer is it sounds like there's someone behind you with a fly sweater, like hitting the blinds or something. I cannot... Oh, I know what that is. Hang on a second. I'm going to shut okay. my door. It's a dryer. That is it. Now my mom brain is kicking in. That is the noise. That's what it was. <laughs> you hear it now? No, no. Now I wish I would have asked earlier, but I, I was like in the back of my mind, like, what is? You know, what's so funny is because I was like, I wonder if she's picking up on something because somebody did die in this house not too long ago. Oh, <laughs> and my. I'm like, oh, maybe you're hearing some, maybe you're hearing it's burn. A ghost transmission through the internet. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. It's like those shows. Okay. Horrible yeah. confession. I love all things paranormal, like all shows paranormal. And we've been watching paranormal cut on tape and like, there are things where I'm like, oh my God, I'm just waiting for like the glass to fall over. And since we moved into the house, I have not been able to watch that show. I'm like, I'm just waiting. You have waiting a daughter. You Do you guys yeah. watch that together? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's, she's not as keen of a believer yet at the same time, she is terrified of the attic. So, you know. Yes. Oh yeah. I understand. You know what? I actually, we should just go with the flow of this because this is what's happening. There's a story you told. No, no. There's something about being a mom that really interests me that led to the making, I think of your first deck, the Crow Tarot. Mm -hmm. And I yes. don't know where I saw this, but you are a single mom. 
things were not mm -hmm. going well. You are worried about being homeless and, yep. and then out of that, not I'm sure. So simply you ended up on this path that you're on creating these decks and loving it and not being homeless. And I think thankfully not, not yet. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Right. Look, I am forever a single mom because my son, he is grown, but he has the kind of autism where I will be taking care of him for the rest of his oh. life. So I really relate to single moms and this is not a part of my life. It will be all of my life until the day I die. Right. So I love to ask successful single moms, single moms that are living the dream. Like, what is that like for you? And also mm -hmm. I'm wondering if you are aware of or have any insights into the energy dynamics at play there of worrying like, oh my God, everything's falling apart. We might be homeless. Oh, yeah. And then how that like led to the creation of the Crow Tarot. Do you know the magic that was going on around that time? Mm -hmm. I didn't at the time, because it's hard to see things when you're knee deep in a bunch of crap, you know, or like just trying to deal with surviving, right? Mm -hmm. So all you're focusing on, especially when you're a parent. And my child at the time was six. So she's still kind of young, but understands she, you know, like she was, she could understand like we're eating, you know, like ramen noodles again, you know, for dinner, right. that yeah. kind of thing, or that she isn't able to do some of the things that her friends are doing. Right. So there, there's things that I know that she knew and that just weighs on you as a parent and that energy weighs on you. And it was really just so demoralizing. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I just need to get out of this. And so I guess I've always known from the time I was like, like as like a wee, wee child, right? That I was an artist. I always knew that. And I've always known that everything would always be okay. Like I would always be okay. Even at the lowest moment in my life, I always knew the backside of my head, everything is going to be just fine. You have to have faith in yourself. You have to trust yourself. And I remember going to like a tarot card reader in my twenties and they said, no matter what goes on in your life, you will never be homeless. And I was like, well, let me test that. You know, <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> like it says you. And then, but I've, I heard that repeatedly. And then through, throughout my life, like no matter how bad things get, you will never be. And I was like, you'll never be homeless. And I thought, well, that's, that's awesome to know. And to have, to have somebody plant that seed in my head, I think is really what made me more determined to overcome what I was doing. Cause I knew that it was possible, right? If you know that something's possible, if you know that success is possible, if you know that you have a safety net, even if it's not a real one, even if it's just one that's in your mind, that in itself, I think, creates an energy that allows you to try something new or to be more experimental, you know, and to not give in and to not just say, well, well, this is my, this is what's happening, you know? Yeah. So I think the, like the, I'm just trying to articulate this correctly so that I can. Well, the thing I, I was like that you said is I, having faith in yourself, I thought that was really <laughs> interesting as opposed to faith in something outside yourself, which you may also have, but I, I like that that came through. And also you were saying 
just to know that it's possible. That's the whole point in asking you to share this, because I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people are on the brink right now, whether they're a mom or a dad or not young or old. I know for sure a lot of people are on that brink and their faith is being tested. So you are the possibility lady today. (laughs) Right. And and so I'm saying it's like knowing that you have it within you to be successful or to just get yourself out of a pickle, you know, or to pull things back together when things have fallen apart, you have that ability to do that is so crucial and not waiting on somebody else to help you. I mean, that to me was like, I knew that the answer was out there basically for how to overcome this obstacle. And to be honest, I got freaking angry. I got really angry with the universe. I got angry with my guides. I thought that they went on vacation. I I was like, where the frick did they go? Did they go to Bermuda? Did did they like leave? Mm. Are they coming back? You know, (laughs) like, where are they? And I got really angry with all sorts of, I got angry with my landlord at the time. I got angry that my dog died. I got, you know, it was just like everything that just happened all in one, it was July three years ago. Wow. Right. What are we in 21? Oh no. It was longer than that. July, like four, five years ago that it was just horrible. It was like the month of hell. And I think that that anger that I was feeling in my gut was really like, it was kind of like my way of saying, no, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to accept this. This is not my lot. I know that I'm supposed to be doing something else. And somebody needs, like, I think I was pulling the ultimate, like, I don't want to say Karen, because I really have a problem with that, but I really feel like that's what I was doing. I was like to the universe. I was like, I need to see the manager of the universe now, you know, (laughs) because this is not working. (laughs) And that's when the Proterra came out. I mean, like it literally came to me and I didn't know why I didn't understand at the time, like what it all meant, but it only took a few months for me to get that. Oh, I get it now. Okay. I see. This is what I'm supposed to do. Mm. You know, at the time I'm like, why am I making these cards? I'm trying to, I, like, I know it's me. I was making them to learn how to read tarot, but I'm like, how is this going to help me? But eventually it did. Yeah. Yeah. I think anger is so underrated particularly Mm -hmm. if you're in a slump or a rut or you feel down or helpless, find something to get pissed off about because it's fuel and your story is a perfect example of that. It is. And I know like we talk about like, like with, like say with like the law of attraction, you have like high vibration and then you have like really low vibration, right? Anger is in the middle. It's, it's not a low vibration. It's not, obviously it's not a high vibration, right? But it is still an energy and it's a much better energy than being depressed or being fearful, right? Or having anxiety. So it's like, you can, if you can pull yourself up from fear and anxiety up into the anger level, at least that sparks something that does something. And it gets the attention, you know, of, of, I think the universe where it's like, you're saying, Hey, I I don't want to settle for this. You know, I'm ready to do something else. And that's what I think happened. Yeah, I really do. I mean, I think life, I think life responds to conviction too. And, Mm -hmm. and just being like that hard, no, where you're like, no, I will not settle for this. I know there's something better for me. I think when you're really in that, you're not just saying it, you're not just affirming it, but you feel it down in your soul, oh, like yeah. in your bone, that is 
that's magnetic. That's attractive. That oh yeah creates. Like when like life gives you lemons, sure you can make lemonade, or you could huck those lemons back at life and say like, no, give me some freaking you know something else. You know, (laughs) I do not want your lousy lemons. Give me some watermelon. You know, we're just so why how how did this bring us to crows? Was that just what was coming through? And you're like, let's just go with it, I guess. No, because crows have always been my spirit guides. Crows are my protectors. Long before the crow tarot ever was even a a mere thought in my mind. Um, I have a, a crow on my arm. I'm every artwork I did before was like I just I always had crows in it. I used to live up in Lake Forest Park, north of Seattle, and we had hundreds of crows that would stop by on their way up to the Bothell Roost by our house. And it was just like, I loved hearing them. It's like, I felt like when you are sitting near a murder of crows and they're all kind, it vibrates through your body. It's like, it's a feeling that I feel it's almost like transcendent. It just takes you somewhere else. It's amazing. And so- I found that, that energy, that crow energy connected with me. Like I got it. I was like, this is, this is my happy place. And so when it came time to make a a tarot deck, and again, like when I was making this deck, it really was to help me learn tarot, to help me understand what the energy of each card holds. Right. And so I thought, well, what better guide than a crow? Because that's who I connect with. That's my totem. That's my animal. And when, oh, real fast, when we moved into this house, we moved in about a month ago, I have crows that hang out in front of the house. And one of them will come on up, hop up to my step, to my front door, and literally like wait there. Like he looks at me like, hey lady, um, yeah, you need to feed me. I don't know what, if you know about this previous arrangement we had with the previous owner, but you need to feed me. And so it will wait for me to open the door and then I have to give it food. And I just love that. I was like, oh, it's like I moved into this house and it's already like with pre-made crows. I mean, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to like lure them with food like I would in the past, you know, like this one that just came to me. So MJ, I knew you are my kind of people. I am so <laughs> feeling this conversation. I would be thrilled. I would not stop talking about that. That would be very hard for me to shut up about. I would be so honored and excited. <laughs> it, it is so, it's like just amazing. Oh, can I just tell you a real fast story about crows real fast? You can tell it slow if you want. I'm here for the okay. crows. I'm here for the crow stories. Okay. Oh, good. Then okay. I have a really I have a really funny one. Um, so I lived in this condo on the third floor and I would always have these crows come by and I would feed them. And you can find like on my Instagram, I have videos of these crows. Anyway, this one crow would come by all the time and it would make the most bizarre sound. It was like boop, 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 boop. And so we would just chit-chat back and forth and it would go boop, boop, and I'd go cluck, 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 right? And Sometimes it would do three boop boops. Sometimes it would do two, one. So anyway, I, I was like, oh, I'm developing this relationship. It's like, yeah, we're like, we're communicating. I love this. So I sent an email off to John Marsaloff, who is the person who wrote the book, um, Gifts of the Crow, and who I based my Urban Crow Oracle on. And I said, hey, I don't know if you have, if you could help me with this, if you have any insight as to the sound that this crow is making, but I'm like, I'm really enjoying this. I feel like we're, we're connecting. And he wrote back that it's a, basically it's a sign of dominance. And this crow basically thinks it's dominating me (laughs) 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 or it's looking for a mate. And I was like, Oh, okay. So, so basically the crow is like, you stupid human, 
give me food. And me meanwhile, I'm like, oh, I just love this connection. But really, it's like a crow just saying, like, I'm an idiot. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> you know, um, I've seen them corvids, the, the whole group yeah. of them. I've seen them compared to dolphins and mm-hmm. primates, like monkeys, apes. And I think that is pretty accurate from what I understand. And it's the magic of them because these are creatures that have a vibrant life and community. And there's Mm -hmm. something about that, that to me is a reminder of like, oh, it's not all about us. It it can take you out of the human drama to be like, what are these guys doing over here? They're having a whole culture that (laughs) if you just stop and pay attention is fascinating and also it's just a reminder like this planet this life is not all about us we think it is but it's so not other things are going on and they also have emotions and experience things that you know we we just think is well that's such a human thing like you know this crow um i don't know if you saw the story about george and mabel these crows that george broke his beak and so mabel i mean she what a what an amazing strong female quality she has she would go and and find food for george and feed george and protect george from from other birds you know who saw him as as weakened right because he can't really defend himself and so she would come by and she'd be like yeah you need to stay off george you know george is mine hands off their other birds you can't hurt him she'd protect him and i mean like to me that's like that's a level of servitude right that's like saying like recognizing when something is weak and then really that commitment, stepping up and being like, I've got this. And they mate for life. Well, at least the females do for crows. Um, Gosh, they mate isn't that the, just the okay? Isn't that just I, I know, okay? right? Men are just philandering all over the place, you know? <laughs> but the female, the female crows mate for life and they're committed. And that's what Mabel was to George. And I thought, oh, Aww. that is just like, you know, you think about like old people together, you know, like doing things for one another and being caring, you know, and I just thought, wow, that just now, you know, if, you know, translate that over to crows and you're like, oh, you know, or, you know, I'm sure other animals do that too, but I oh, can't think sure. of, yeah, I, I know. think, I think the dolphins, the primates and the crows are unique in that we get to see them in their own culture, mm-hmm. but they hang pretty close to the humans too. Whereas mm-hmm. other animals, you have to maybe pay more attention, <laughs> stalk them yeah. in the tall grass with binoculars. These guys are just, you know, all around us, depending on where we live and they, they will interact with us. And I think that's cool. They keep their own society, but then they'll, they'll mix with us a little bit, particularly if it serves them. Right. And I don't know if you heard of the story um, here in Seattle, there was a girl who, as I read about this on the BBC's website, which I really thought was funny because I didn't see anything here in Seattle about it, but apparently the BBC did a story on her. Anyway, so she, this girl, this young girl, I think she was like around 10, was giving the crows food and just, you know, like enjoying their company. And the crows started bringing her treasures. And she had like a whole like tackle box full of treasures that the crows would bring her everything from keys to marbles to just all sorts of random things that they would start leaving at her house well her mom lost her cell phone or something the crows found it brought that back it's like they recognized each other they recognized when something belonged to them and knew where it needed to go and you know of course it's like 
it's just amazing to think that this girl developed a relationship with this wild creature, really. I mean, like this wild animal. And then of course the neighbors sued the family. Oh my gosh, of course. I know, like, of course, you know. Humans, 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 humans. They just muck it all up. We have a lot to answer for. We really do. I. We really it's, a, do. We it's amazing do any of these creatures want to be our friends, to be honest, much less a guide, much less a guide. And I would say, <laughs> you know, it, it feels very guided to me that your first deck is the deck that launched this kind of mm-hmm. little deck empire that you're building here. It doesn't surprise me that people responded so strongly to it, but it doesn't sound like that's why you did it. It just sounds no. like you were compelled like, and you followed that. I mean, honestly, I was shocked. I was shocked when US Games, so they wanted to publish it. I think that was like the moment where I started to believe that this was like the path, like that everything that led up to making that deck was all there for a reason, because I would never have gotten so low to the point where I would have put out that call. And I really needed to have that experience to understand. I really need to understand a lot of the energy held within the tarot deck. And I don't think the Crow Tarot would have come about had I not hit rock bottom, basically. How can you um, write about the tower if you've never had your tower moment? Exactly. And oh, trust me, I had my tower moment. <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> when I, but, but see, when I make the, the tower card, though, I don't want people to feel fear. I want them to feel almost anxious that change is coming, but to be prepared for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not like, oh my God, I'm not going to recover from this. And so I think I even said like in the pro tarot, you know, the, the birds that clung to the idea of living in that clock tower, their life was stagnant and they didn't thrive. The crows that saw this as an opportunity to find another roost or a better place to be, they found themselves in a better situation. They, they, they grew, right? And it just looked different where they end up just looks different. That's so but cool. it's that it's that it's that ability to just say, okay, change is coming. I know it's coming, and I don't know if you if you follow numbers at all. If you like or numerology, I'm not, or, big, I'm not big into it, but it's interesting. But I have certain numbers that I see all the time, and there's one like when I see five five five, I'm like, oh, holy crap! That's like the universe telling me a tower is about to happen or change uh-oh. is going to happen, right? And so I'm like, okay prepare, prepare, prepare. And sometimes it's just as simply as, oh, you move. Like I moved, like I saw five, five, five for a long time. And then we moved not like a, a bad thing, but it's just change. You're changing your, you're going to have to deal with some sort of moving from one place to another. And so whether that, however that looks like from a job or, you know, like from one job to another or physically moving. But anyway, I think that you were saying about making this deck for myself first, you know, when I, when I did the Kickstarter for it, not Kickstarter, Indiegogo for it, I was just hoping to raise $10,000. That is all I was hoping to raise. I was like, please just universe help me so I can pay my back rent, you know, so I can cover some bills and get caught up. And I was just blown away, uh, blown away. So excited about this. That was how, so, how, how that do was, you, 
how do you crowdfund with grace and dignity? How do you do that? How do you bring a project to people and say, this is worthy of your money? At that time, I didn't really know anything. Like I didn't know what I was doing. And so I was just like, hey, this is my idea. If you like the artwork, you know, and you like crows, you might like my deck, you know, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Um, I had never, I had never done like a tarot deck before. It was like, I didn't even know what I didn't know what I was really doing basically but I knew I had the artwork and I knew that the artwork connected with people and I think that was the most important thing mm -hmm. and so yeah that was 2018 was when the when that Indiegogo happened so that was yeah not too long ago wow well, anyway, and then U.S. Games found that they published it before I did the Indiegogo I got the letter from them before saying hey you know it wouldn't it wouldn't happen for like over a year but they said we want to publish it. So I was like, wow. cool. You know, I'm like, that's, I mean, I'm, I was just floored, floored by it. I was like, I am just, and again, being as green as green could be, I had no idea what any of all, what it all meant. Right. I mean, this is such a good lesson for people listening. If you feel stuck or you don't know what the hell you're doing, you can just begin anyway. Yeah. You can begin, you can follow your whatever sense of spiritual guidance you rely on and just step to the edge and keep going and see where it takes you. There's so much magic in that, but even just saying it is terrifying to me. It's scary, but just magical. Stepping off the, the ledge, you know, kind of like the fool, like trying something new. It is, it's really, it's scary. And especially if you don't know, and you know, like what I did know was this. I knew that I had a child who depended on me who needed to have some sense of consistency in her life. And I just wanted her to be proud of her mom. That's oh. all I wanted, you know? And it's like, I mean, you know, I mean, you understand, I know you do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like you just, mm -hmm. you want, you, you want them to just know that you care so much about them and, and you do anything for them. And so right. I knew that going in. So everything else just kind of came secondary. You know, like it just how to get there. It was just like, I just need to do this. This is what I just need to do. So I was just floored. And then the, after the crow took off, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm like, holy crow. I had no idea. Like this is, this all led up to this moment. And then the wise dog came after that. And that deck, that one was more challenging for me. For, and I just too detailed to go into, but that was a really challenging deck to create coming off of the crow tarot because I, I knew what I wanted to create, but I was like, but will the people who like my crow deck like the dog deck? And I right. found out that they did. And then it was like, but then I got letters from cat people who were like, why would you need to make a cat deck? If you're making a crow deck, you need to have a cat deck. And funny story about that is I said left and right, no, I will not make a cat deck. I am just going to focus on making one animal deck. It's the dog deck. And then I'm walking home with my child one night and in our walkway, we didn't have a light on our path. And I tripped and I fell over a freaking cat and I split my lip open. I now oh. have this big scar on my face because of that cat. But I was like, fine universe, I'll make a goddamn cat deck and that's it. No more animal decks. <laughs> can, I, can I just actually point out that the name of your new deck is Roar? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm 
I'm just the, saying, the... I mean, it's, it's about the human animal, but you actually, it is titled yeah. Roar, which I think is kind of funny. And in a sense, it's an extension of this. But I did end up making the Guardian of the Night, which is all animals. And I had a great time with that one. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to just keep it to birds. I'm like, I will never say never, I guess is my point to all of that. It's like, never, never say that you're not going to do something because sure enough, the universe will send something to trip you up and you'll have to do it. Yep. Yes. So guardian of the night, the cards that I've seen is uh-huh. gorgeous. I love the bats. I saw them in a video. They just went by really fast and I went, Ooh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love the bats. They're so pretty. And uh-huh. I know we're running out of time. We haven't really talked about the roar deck. I definitely want to give that deck just a quick moment but before we do that can you tell people how to find you on the internet I'm going to link but for people that are listening on the go oh sure you can find me at mjcullinane so mjcullinane.com or easier is crowtarotshop.com that's my store the mjcullinane is more like my gallery or just more more about the art And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook, mainly on Instagram these days. I like, that is my preferred method of social media. I don't have much time, I think, to do, like, I I just want to make art, you know? It's like, literally, that is what I want to do during my day. And although I love posting and I love, you know, um, communicating via social media, I have to narrow it down. And I think Instagram is my favorite. So it's the easiest one to use. So you can find me over there and I'm always posting like updates. So people are like, oh, I haven't seen an update. Well, the updates are always on Instagram. I'm always posting updates. Love. Okay. So we have to talk at least a little bit about Roar, what it is and what's your favorite card in the deck? Let's just start with that. Oh my God. I think my favorite card to create, well, besides Frida, Audra Lord is my favorite card. Oh, imagery wise I just love like that one I had a great you could feel her presence you could feel she was a badass warrior mother just amazing woman you know what I mean like she knew who she was and same thing like uh, Mary Fields they all were interesting to create for one reason or another whether like the different technique I used or just the imagery It's really interesting that in the description I read for it, you were talking about how you would ask the woman's spirit to present itself to you and, and she would show up in a dream or just like a persistent Mm -hmm. vision in your mind. What is the, what's the dynamics of that? Do you feel, how, how am I trying to, what am I trying to say? Do you feel like you have permission to do that? Is it intimidating to do that? Like, what is your feeling of like, oh, this was a real person that I'm mm-hmm. kind of channeling this energy into this card. The first thing I, like, I wanted to make sure I honored the woman in her story and portrayed her in a way that I, I wanted her to be proud of what I was making. Oh. So I would constantly be when I was drawing and I'm like, is this okay? Like, Hey, you know, like, are you okay with what I'm doing with like right now? And the story, like the thing with Frida was the first card I made of her. She hated it. And I literally was like, I was haunted by that card. And I was like, I just have to redo Frida. I just have to redo Frida, you know, but each one, I just wanted to pull out like their essence, their quality. I wanted, when you hold that card, like when you hold Maya Angelou, I wanted you to feel her presence, that warm 
motherly almost presence, you know, mm-hmm. um, somebody who was wise and had within her this wisdom that I don't think, I, I don't, uh, maybe there is somebody out there today who can match her in, in her experiences and her wisdom, but I don't think so. I mean, she was just so, I mean, she, I mean, cause she was a poet, but she was poetic. Her life was poetic. So I just wanted to make sure that the person, like when you held the card, when you looked at the imagery that I did them to the best of my ability and that I would make them proud and happy that they were in this deck. And I, I think, like I said, the Frida was the only one that really the first card she was like, yeah, that it sucked. And, and that would be so Frida, right? I mean, she had to be difficult, but, um, Hey, that's part of the process. And she's been, that's part of making the, she's, Frida well, she's been my, she's been my spirit guide since I was in high school. I will, I've loved Frida so much. And so I'm looking, okay. So I'm looking at this deck and I'm just trying to see. I love that. We all know exactly who you're talking about. You don't even have to put her last name on. We know who Frida is and she is a special woman to many, 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 many people still. Oh, I, oh, I, know. I hope her spirit can feel that wherever she is right now. I, too. I really hope that she knows how loved she is. Yes. And, but here's the thing about her. I think she is so self-confident or she was so self-confident and just comfortable in her skin that she's like, yeah, you love me. You don't love me. I think she would be okay with it. <laughs> um, but so Boudica was one of my favorite ones to do by the way, like that was the other one because I'm, you know, being part Irish, it's like, oh, I called upon her, but I want to make sure like people know, like in this deck, these women, all remarkable, talented, just women that had so many, they had cojones like nobody else, right? During the time, it was just amazing, but not all of them were, were nice people. Like Boudica was not necessarily a nice person. She was a product of her era and she killed a lot of people, including men, women, and children. And so you've got to love her passion for her children. And that's what, when I see Boudica, when I think about protecting my child, if anybody ever harmed a hair on her head, I would unleash Boudica. I mean, like for sure, you know? And that's like when you're, when you need, when you need that energy to uh, take control of a situation, you might need that you might need that lesson from Boudica. You know what I mean? That circles back to what you were saying earlier about how anger pulled you out of right. The anger empowered you. Mm-hmm. And so that's that Boudica energy of like, I will make sure everything is done right. I will make sure everything is good. Jane Jacobs was a really cool story too. Like she was a, the woman who made sure that the highway wouldn't go through New York city. And I lived in New York. That's where I went to college and I can't even imagine what lower Manhattan would be like with an expressway running through it, breaking up Greenwich village, you know, and she, she was so discounted as like, Oh, you're a homemaker. You're nothing. You're just this little old lady, you know, who wants to be a a troublemaker. What do you know about urban planning? And she got to work and she literally, she is the reason why we have Soho today. She's the reason why you can walk around and eat at nice restaurants down there or enjoy a city that's vibrant with people, uh, you know, like just filling the sidewalks and not having to listen to car noise and having exhaust. So I it was like, love she, that. she was amazing. And then like Mother Shipton was the first known witch in England and just she was discounted because of her looks like people called her a witch because she had some disfigurement and, you know, because people, humans are stupid, 
you know? Cruel. And so, and cruel. And I, it's like, we really are cruel. I, I don't, I can't imagine any, well, I don't know. Actually, I take it back. Crows do that too. When there's a, a crow that's injured, they do pick on it. Or if a crow is, you know, like if the wing is disformed, they'll pick on it. So unless I guess unless they have a girlfriend, what was the girlfriend's unless, name? Myrtle. What was her? Mabel. Mabel. Unless they have a Mabel. Right. I mean, looking like, out for them. <laughs> right. We all. I, I hope we all have Mabels in our Maybe, lives. May we all have a Mabel. We all need, we all need a little Mabel in our lives, you know. Mm. And bless, um, bless the Mabels listening right now. I know, right? Oh my God. That would be the ultimate compliment. You're such a Mabel. Mm. <gasps> Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. <laughs> we should all be Mabels for other people. So so Roar Roar is a deck that is about empowerment. Is that accurate? it is. It's it's fifty, it's fifty-four cards. Yes, it's fifty-four cards of amazing, radical, audacious, outspoken, just rebellious women and these are your advisors i wanted to make a, a deck that would help people connect with people who have crossed over because they these women have all had experiences that at some point we could relate with or they could share their wisdom and help us out of a sticky wicket and you know or just help us know that we're not the only ones going through a situation you know in the world like we're not the first one to encounter some boss who thinks that you know you're a ding dong because you're a woman right yeah. I mean like I had my fair share of misogynistic bosses but when you use this deck as a as like an advisory board and you ask a question you might get wisdom from someone who you might not even expect to have experience or who might be able to shed some light by you know whatever message she brings to you I love like Julia Child is in this book and you know, her quote, which I can't remember, I'll, I'll paraphrase, basically, it's like when something goes wrong in the kitchen, instead of throwing it out in the garbage and like huffing and puffing about how horrible it went, it's like, she's like, I like the mistakes. It's through the mistakes that I learn. And I, that's all part of the process, right? You can't, you can't, you can't get hung up on making sure everything looks perfect. So if that meal that you're making, you know, has a little bit too much salt, well, it's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. I love that she made the cut. That's so cool. Is there someone oh, that did not make the cut for whatever reason that you wish was in there or that you thought of maybe after the deck was complete? Oh yeah. I mean, there was just, there was lots. I mean, I, I can't even begin. It's like, there, there was just so many people. One person who didn't make the cut was Jane Goodall because she's still alive. Oh, I love her. And thankfully so, right? Because, and, and, and Claudette Colvin. So Rose, Rosa Parks is in here because she is, I mean, she's an icon, right? She, she deliberately did something knowing that she was going to get arrested, knowing that it was going to spark a controversy. And it was through that, that she was able to get attention to this, the busing situation. Claudette Colvin, however, was 15 years old when she was the first person to stand up and be like, no, this isn't right. I should be able to sit wherever I want. She doesn't get the recognition for it as, exactly. as, much, as, as much as Rosa Parks does. But um, I wanted to put her in the deck, but thankfully she too is still alive. So, you know, um, that's the thing. Like there, there are some people where I'm like, oh God, I would love to have this person in the deck. And I'm like, oh, wait, you know. They're still they're here. They're still here. They're still making change. Awesome. I have so many questions. I know I have to wrap it up, but my brain is going so fast. I'm wondering if you 
at the end of your life, if somebody made a part two roar, what card would you be? What card would I be? Yeah. Like what would be the energy of the MJ? Card? Oh, oh, I don't know. That's a good one. Oh, journal. Prompt. Oh, no. oh my God. It's a journal. Where's my journal? I think I, you know, do you ever think about what your eulogy will be? I think about what I hope it will be sometimes like is, you know, am I living in the way that I will be proud of at my funeral? Right. So that's what like, I think about, like, what will people say after I'm dead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I hope it's only good things. But I like going back to your question, I think that my energy would be somewhere between mama bear and magician. Oh, because I really am, I believe very much in the law of attraction. I believe very much that we are all energetic beings. And I'm hoping by the time I, I die, which will hopefully not be, you know, for a very, very, very long time, that we have figured out that we actually can control the energy field around us. And we are the ones that create, you know, our, our paths. Wow. We can make a difference. We can make a difference. Well, you know, and it's, it's not a perfect science, I think, anyway because there are so many different variables, but at least we have some level of control. Yeah, it's a collaboration is how I see it. It is. It's a co-creation with all of life. You get a say, Mm -hmm. life gets a say, it's a dance, but you definitely, definitely, definitely can get in partnership with that and make some amazing things happen. Oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And then I also think like, when we encounter struggles and we encounter friction in our lives, when we change the mindset of, oh my God, why is this happening to me? This really sucks. My life sucks. And we look at it from a different perspective. It's like, oh, I'm going back to school. I have a lesson. This is a learn. This is a learning time, you know, or this is, and I know it's really hard. Like when I was in it and life was really shitty, frankly, it was really hard for me to be like, oh, I'm learning something. Yay. Yay. It was like, oh my God. I'm like, I can't afford to pay my bills. You know, it, feel, so it feels punitive in the moment. You right. feel like you're being punished. I know, and if someone dare tell you, <gasps> this is a oh. lesson, all you want to do is punch them in the face. <laughs> oh my God. I was going to say, I want to punch them in the throat. Yeah, really. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, you um so that's why it's like I, it's like I would never tell people who's who are going through a difficult time well you know at least you're learning something oh my god talk about oh. lack of empathy um yeah. <laughs> but yeah. what I learned from looking at it backwards right looking at things from you know like from the rear view it's like oh well yeah that did happen it is a learning lesson but while you're in it I think learning that your reaction, like how you react is the, is the most important thing to getting out of your situation because it's, it's just, you know, you, you have choices. I think this is the most important thing. And I think that was the thing I knew when I was going through that difficult time was I always knew like, I have choices. Some of my choices were very dark choices. I'm not going to lie. And I would really be like, Oh my God, you know? And then I was like, well, I guess there's always finding a, a job and not living in Seattle because Seattle is crazy expensive, right? And uprooting my child, that would, have, that would have been a choice. But I mean, we all have, we have choices that we can all make. And at some point, like I knew if things didn't go well with the Crow Tarot, then there would be, there'd be some hard choices. And it, it probably would have meant us leaving Seattle and leaving our, our network of friends mm. at that time, because it's just, it's just too expensive. 
it's too hard to live here. I mean, I'm sure it's the same way in LA, right? Oh I mean, my Lord, it's so expensive. Oh my God. It's like, it's, and this is like the thing. It's like, I, we would move, but like, I can't uproot my child. My family's all on the East coast. And so we've had the same network of friends for years and years. And this is like, these are our, this is our family. And mm -hmm. if things ever did, like, I know, I, like, here's the thing. Like, I know deep down, thankfully, I do have a nice network of friends. It would never have gotten to the point of being too bad, but leaving that is really scary, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's like one of the things like where you're like, all right, well, things have to work out right. Otherwise we have to move, but I don't want to move. So I, again, I think it just goes back to, we all have choices that we can make and decisions. And sometimes they're really hard decisions. And I love, I'm going to always remember from this interview that if life throws you lemons, you don't have to take it. Chuck that lemon back. <laughs> Screw your lemons. I don't want them. I think that was so funny. I mean, I just, I will remember but that, MJ. But it's true. Like, I feel like there are people who are like, oh, this is your lot in life. You know, <laughs> suck it up. You know, mm -hmm. I just, I always find like, that's just such a, I don't know, a horrible way to, to make people feel better about a difficult situation. It's like, oh, just make it better. You know, yeah. so. look on the bright side. Oh my God. No. <laughs> Sometimes I really want to look at the, the dark side and then figure out how to, work within that dark side frankly yeah you know? but use what you <laughs> got you know? sometimes we have stuff that we don't even realize we have like the power within that you know, anger that, that you were talking about that like that's energy. that's something you can use you can and but also you can also use you know relationships and and um good feelings too you know and and knowing that you have that connection with other people knowing that there's so much more to this world than maybe the surface level crap that we deal with, you know, it's like, yeah, you might be experiencing something right now, but if you, if you have a good network of friends or family or something that a pet, even something that you that can share energy with, I think that too can spark something, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I just know like giving my kid a hug at the end of the day is powerful too, or give, you know, like having Layla come up and give me a kiss, even though I don't want her to give me that cat poop kiss that she, cause she just ate something out of the yard. It's still transformative. I think we just have, we just need to find the energy, you know, it's all out there. It's all I, there. I feel like maybe you answered this question already, but I always end with the same question. And it is, what is one tip you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? Ooh let go of attachments that you think that you know what your kick-ass life of your dreams is going to look like. Oh, because if you think that you, if you think, if you have this idea in your mind, exactly. Like I want, I want to move to Belize and live on the beach and sell jewelry and have a really peaceful life. Right. And that's what, that's like a, your ideal life. You may miss out on all of the other wonderful things. Like you may miss out on moving to Paris, where you become an artist and living the life of your dreams. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. if you have, your, if you hold an attachment to something, you miss out on the other opportunities that are like, Hey, we're equal, if not better, you know, of a dream. So, well, that is very useful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Perfect. This was, this was fun and interesting. I loved it. I, I had such a great time too. Well, if you're ever from Seattle, let me know. We can get coffee. Coffee with MJ Cullinane. How cool would that be?
Seattle is on my list of places to visit, so you never know. How did you like this? Did you love it or did you love it? Are you running over to get one of these tarot decks? I feel like at least some of you are. <laughs> and I told you in the last episode that I'm going to start doing sponsored podcasts. And that is a true fact. That is one of the changes that I am making. And it actually has to do with anger. Like once I passed 2 million downloads on this podcast, I was like, oh my gosh. I avoid sponsorships and affiliate marketing and things like that because I'm afraid of the people who hate that shit and tell me, go out of their way to tell me that they hate that shit. And I'm sorry if you're one of those people, but I choose me. I choose myself. <laughs> I choose to honor my work by monetizing it going forward. And I'm not telling you that to be bratty or because I'm angry. I'm no longer angry about it. Once I made a decision, any anger I had was like, poof. I'm gone because I'm not feeling controlled by other people's opinions. I tell you that because think about that for your own life. If there's something that you're doing to make the critics, just to appease the critics, maybe not even make them happy. Can you even make them happy? Are they even your people? Are they even your people if they're criticizing you? Do they care about you? Are they calling you? to check on you, to see how you're doing? Are they bringing you soup when you're sick? Or are they just leaving snide comments on social media? If you have something like that, where you are betraying your own self to appease those people, you need to knock it off right now. That's why I'm saying it. And so I am excited. I'm, I'm, I'm easing into this. Next week, hopefully, I'll have it set up. I'm easing into it with an easily accessed partnership because I only want to do sponsorships, affiliate marketing, things like that with companies that I use and love and feel proud of recommending to you and would be excited if you actually signed up for or spent your money on. So that's what I'm doing going forward. I hope you don't mind. You know I'm going to try to keep it entertaining. And again, my promise to you is it will always be something that I believe in. I'm not just going to sit here hawking such and such product because they paid me. <laughs> that also doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel good. And I was talking recently about, uh, it was in the episode on outing your shadow, outing your own shadow. One of the ways you can know that you're hovering over a shadow or some shadowy issue is at play is when you breach your own integrity. What you're doing is you're violating your own values and that doesn't feel good. That's probably gonna show up as anger or it's gonna show up as some sort of discomfort in your body. For me, it typically shows up as kind of like a cross between nausea and butterflies in my solar plexus. I feel it in my solar plexus. It's not a good feeling at all. And it doesn't go away if I don't make an adjustment and make things right. And I have found there's so much freedom in making it right. Free yourself. Free yourself. Find out what that thing is for you. Free yourself. Check out 
Roar or the Crow Tarot or one of the other awesome decks we talked about in this episode. And until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.